For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Matt Connor and Sterling Holmes. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast with Sterling Holmes and Matt Connor. Wait, check that. No, Matt Connor. He's in Seattle living it up. Joined for this episode by Jordan Mannix. Jordan, how are you doing? Hey, man, I am doing great. It's a, it's a little dreary here in St. Louis. I wonder how it is where Matt's at. He's probably in paradise somewhere. I guess it's Seattle, so I, I don't know. Maybe it's a little rainy there, too, but uh must be nice to be running the show, and you can just you know, take off whenever you want to, right? Yeah, nice to be the boss and just just <laughs> go off on vacation. And what's great is he went to Seattle, and then the Seattle weather came to the Midwest. You're in St. Louis. Oh, yeah. I'm in KC. The weather is atrocious. For, like, the next 10 days, it's supposed to storm and rain. And I'm sitting here like, when am I supposed to go to the golf? When, when am I supposed to go hit the clubs? You know, I'm out here right. trying to be – somewhat athletic maybe try and stay in shape to a small degree and the weather's like nah pal you're staying inside and eating a whole bag of chips and guac (laughs) like i can't win yep yep i'm with you man this is uh this is a dreary part of the year it's it's right after you know march madness is like a month you know we we're past that we're after the draft and now it's just bad weather and and not as many sports to watch so i'm i'm with you man it's uh it's going to be a rough stretch, but uh, hopefully, you know, football won't be too long away. So I'm going to turn into Lucas Niang, like everyone is talking about on Twitter. <laughs> Everyone's calling Lucas Niang fat, and I'm going to turn into him with all the food I'm staying inside and eating. Before we get into the show, what do you? Since hey, you're the guest man, this is your time to shine, Jordan. What all do you want to talk about today? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, really, obviously, we've got the schedule drop that just happened. And, I mean, I, I'm not sure how Chiefs Kingdom feels across the board, but I feel pretty strongly about the Chiefs' chances of grabbing that one seat again this year. 
So love to chat about the schedule and just kind of what are the most important games? What are the most exciting games that are coming up? Because there are a number of them. Um, I think the other big factor, right, is, you know, we've got a couple new players at rookie minicamp this week and, and what those guys will be doing for the team in the 2021 season. And maybe where are the holes that the Chiefs still need to fi- still need to fill? So those are kind of the topics I think that are most pressing right now. So, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to dive in. Before we get into all of that great stuff, I have to say big shout out to our sponsor. I got I got to do it. Manscaped. The lawnmower 4.0. I just got mine in the mail. They sent it to me and first off, I got it like before they even released it and I heard other like people talking about this and like I can't wait for it to come out and I already had it and I tried it out. Let me tell you. It's fantastic. If you're looking like D. Snyder from Twisted Sister down there, you got to get the Lawnmower 4.0 right to you from Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com, promo code FANSIDED20, 20% off, free shipping. Over 2 million people worldwide. That's a lot of people. 2 million people trust Manscaped. Again, 20% off when you use the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Trust me, guys, it is better than using scissors. Jordan, not going to lie, I used scissors before. I, I it, <laughs> Talk about ballsy. I use scissors. I go, this may not be the safest method. Uh, I just got to give a big shout-out because without them, I would be, I'd be lost. I would be looking like Sebastian Bach's hair down there. So, again... <laughs> Go to manscaped.com, promo code FANSIDED20 at checkout, 20% off, and free shipping. All right, back to Chiefs, the schedule. You said you had some pretty pretty hot takes on this. What did you get yeah. when the schedule dropped? I mean, if I'm being completely honest, the only game that I legitimately think because I, here's the thing. I, I'm assuming Aaron Rodgers is, is staying with the Packers. I, you know, I, I think that moving a player of his caliber at his age logistically is just too difficult. So my, my estimation is he's going to be with the Packers. And if that's the case, I mean, I'm looking at this schedule and I'm thinking to myself, the only game the Chiefs and I still think they'll be favored in this game, but the only game that really makes me nervous from a competitive standpoint is that game against the Green Bay Packers. I mean, I am not concerned about the Browns. I am not concerned about the Ravens. I guess you could say I'm concerned about the Chargers, but the Chiefs have ran the AFC West the last several seasons. And even though I do think the Chargers are probably going to be the most competitive team we've faced in the last several seasons. I just don't think if they beat us one time, maybe, but I I really think the chiefs should wrap up the AFC West with six wins. And again, so I'm looking at the schedule and I'm curious your thoughts on it. We can go through kind of some of the bigger games like the Ravens, the chargers, the Packers, but outside of the Packers, Who do you think is really going to give the Chiefs the biggest run for their money? Uh, I think it's going to be any given Sunday. That's who gives the Chiefs (laughs) the biggest run for their money. And again, 
the reason why I say this because anyone can win on any given Sunday. Last year, did we think the Chiefs were going to lose to the Raiders? Did we think Derek Carr was going to all of a sudden True. look, you know, like prime Peyton Manning? No, we we didn't expect that to happen. And I have the Chiefs. Just full disclosure, uh, it's weird saying with a 17 game season going 13 and four. I have met 13 mm-hmm. and four. I, I don't know which games they're going to lose. I, I'm not going to tell you they're going to lose to to the Ravens because they're in Baltimore, which seems like they're always in Baltimore. Um, yeah. I, I'm not going to say they're going to lose to the Packers, but these are games they could lose. I've been big on Buffalo. I have been for two years. You know, that's going to be a relatively tough game. The AFC West is better than it has been the past couple of seasons. It's not great by any means, but the Chargers are obviously a good team. The Raiders right. are good outside of Derek Carr. They did blow that offensive line up. I am interested to see how they rebuild that. The Broncos, you know, they have some pieces. They're, they're nowhere near, in my opinion, to competing yet, but they have some pieces. I like some of their guys they have, but I still don't think they're anywhere close to competing. You know, teams like Washington, I know they're not good, but they have a fantastic defense. I think, what was it, the second-best defense in the NFL last year? Like, you know, it's not an easy schedule by any means. Based on strength of schedule from last year, these teams uh, would rank 11th. So the Chiefs basically have the 11th most difficult schedule this upcoming season. That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I agree with absolutely everything you're saying. I guess, you know, like where I'm kind of looking at this team, right? So they, they finished last season 14-2, and two, best record in franchise's regular season history, right? And I, I just kind of ask myself, okay, based off of the schedule and the way the team is constructed going into 2021, do I think that they have a chance of being better than the record in 2020 or worse than their record? And so I guess I'll, I'll just kind of break it down. You know, the way I, I'm looking at it is this is far and away. I mean, it's on paper, right? But it is far and away the most talented offensive line that the Chiefs have probably had in the entire Andy Reid tenure. I don't think, and again, I'm not just talking about the heavy hitters, the the all-stars, those guys. I'm talking about just from top to bottom, the number of guys who are actually really high-quality premier talent. I mean, the number of draft picks that we now have on the offensive line where we've been operating really the last two or three years with a number of undrafted free agent guys or late round picks and again don't get me wrong like no disrespect to those guys but I just think this line is far and away going to be the best that Mahomes has ever had and I know that a lot of people are still concerned about the fact that we didn't replace Watkins I actually took a look at kind of Watkins production and and where he actually showed up last season And I personally really liked Watkins and what he brought to the franchise and how much he meant in the 2019 run to the Super Bowl. But he was practically non-existent last year. So I don't even actually think to maintain the level of offensive success that the Chiefs had to replace Watkins. I, I think they've done easily enough to replace him by drafting Cornell Powell 
And I think, I really do think that McCole Hardman's going to take a step forward. And I just think overall, this offense is going to be significantly better. I think the defense declined a little bit last year. I expect them to bounce back. And so I look at those things and I look at, to me, what is a little bit easier schedule than we had last season. And I'm telling you, man, like I said, I agree 100% with what you said. I think any given Sunday, the Chiefs last year, they took a couple Sundays off, if I'm just being honest. Sure. I just don't expect that to happen this year. And just based off the way the team is constructed and the way the schedule lines up, man, I'm telling you, there were a lot of people that thought the 2019 Chiefs could go undefeated, the 2020 Chiefs could go undefeated. I think this team, and I'm not saying they're going undefeated, but I think they have a better chance than either of those teams of going undefeated just the way things line up. The one thing I will say as a Chiefs fan that's so much fun, it's so exciting, you have to talk yourself of why the Chiefs will lose games. Other teams (laughs) and other fans, they have to be like, well, this has to go wrong for them or this has to go right for us to win. Well, when you're a Chiefs fan, it's like, well, as long as this doesn't happen, if as long as worst-case scenario doesn't happen, they'll be okay. I mean, like that Raiders game, worst-case scenario happened. Right. You know, whenever the Chiefs would lose in past, it was j- the past couple seasons at least, it's been like, okay, something disastrous happened. Mahomes got hurt. The offensive line was basically me out there. You and me were playing left guard <laughs> in center last year. Like, Yep. You know, and, and that's how it comes to beat Kansas City. And I just can't count that out in a 17 or 18 week uh, season now. Y- you can't count out injuries. Always, Everybody always says, you know, right. well, well, injuries aside, well, guess what? No one has ever played a full season, an entire team, without a single injury. It happens. It's football. The key is can you get healthy at the right time? When the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, they were banged up a lot of the year. They had a ton of injuries to key players, but they got healthy at the right time. And I think, mm-hmm. y- you know, I don't know if the extra game is going to add a lot of extra injuries. I don't know if it's going to add a lot of extra, extra, you know, obviously there'll be hits. We know that. It's football. It's a violent sport. I just don't know if we're going to see a whole bunch of extra hits. It's going to be interesting. You know, this is the the first year of of adding this extra game, what the repercussions will be. Will Andy Reid rest players, you know, a week or two if they have the AFC West or or the the first round bye wrapped up early? Like, these are questions we just don't know how they're going to play out. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is actually probably the best point that I didn't really touch on was injuries. And so I'm with you. That's a huge variable. And to be completely honest, I mean, really the last two seasons, right? I mean, in 2019, the Chiefs had tons of injuries. They did get healthy at the right time. But, man, injuries. I mean, we were, you know, quote, unquote, snake bit last year with just obviously how many injuries we had on the offensive line and, and really everywhere on the team. So I'm definitely with you. That is the one thing that always kind of concerns me. And I will be interested to see, you know, does this 17th game affect us? Now, again, the, you know, positive, I guess, if you want to, you know, spin it a particular way, is every team is now going to be dealing with 17 games and, kind of dealing with a new way of managing players' health and things like that. So 
I, I think at least from that standpoint, it'll be a negative for everyone. Um, so it won't just be something that the Chiefs are having to deal with. But, no, that's a great point. I, I definitely, you know, I, it's funny. I, I'm very optimistic. So it, it's good to have somebody kind of balancing me out because I usually, uh, you know, especially now with how good the team is, you know, having Patrick Mahomes and, and you know, all the, the stars that they do, I, I go into pretty much every season with high expectations. I'll keep you grounded, Jordan. I'll keep you grounded. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to be an ass. No, I'm kidding. Um, one thing I do want to touch on before we move to the draft picks, I want to hear your thoughts on the draft picks and if any of them stand out and you think will be immediate impact guys. The Baltimore Ravens, again, early in the season, I think last year was week three, this year's week two, at Baltimore again. I'm almost laughing because it feels like the NFL is trying so hard to make the Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, the the same thing as the Peyton Manning, Tom Brady type of situation. Like the NFL needs Lamar Jackson to win a game just to make it some sort of rivalry because right now it's all Kansas City. It's all Patrick. You know, Patrick won the MVP. Then Lamar did, but everyone's still like, yeah, well, Patrick's beating you guys. He's going to the Super Bowl. What has Lamar done? Like, do you, is, do you think there's anything where the NFL is like, come on, Lamar, we need you to get one here? <laughs> yeah, I, man, I, I would, I would say there definitely has been. I, I don't know that it's going to last much longer if he doesn't, you know, figure out some way to beat the Chiefs. I mean, I always kind of feel like East and West Coast teams, the media really tries to hype them up. I mean, there's just a ton of large markets out there, right? And Baltimore, you know, even though they're a young franchise, they're definitely, they've been a popular franchise in the NFL. They've been very successful. I think the NFL, you know, at least from my vantage point, I think the NFL likes having a good Baltimore Ravens team, likes having them kind of in the headlines and, Lamar Jackson, he's a great player. And so it's easy to, you know, kind of pit him against Mahomes. I mean, I think, you know, we're, we're kind of getting to the point, right, where, where the old gener- the, the latest generation of quarterbacks and the Aaron Rodgers, the Tom Brady's, the Peyton Manning's, those guys are all retiring. And I mean, what really highlighted that generation was, the matchups between those guys and in particular, you know, Brady and, and Manning. And I've got to say, I I think it's going to keep happening this way with Mahomes until there's really a guy that consistently performs like he does. I I don't think it's going to be Lamar. I, I just think his play style, it's not conducive to professional football and consistency he just, you get beat up too much. And if you can't throw the ball and, and, you know, demonstrate pocket presence and you have to, you know, get outside the pocket and run down the field, like there's just too much opportunity for defenders to hit you and hurt you. And so I, I think, I think the NFL's trying to make this a thing. I think it definitely has been strong last two seasons. I think if we don't really see it pick up this season, I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL kind of moves on and tries to figure out who's going to be the next counterpart to Mahomes because 
here's the truth. Mahomes is the next evolution in quarterbacking, and he, he didn't quite go the full extent from you know a pocket passer to a running quarterback, but he has combined kind of the two in a way that really hasn't been done before in the league. I mean, I was just watching some highlights of his from – I think it was 2019 when he when we beat the uh, Oakland Raiders when they drove down the field in like 50 seconds and I remember he hit he hit uh, Travis Kelsey in the end zone and kind of the the comments I got from Raider fans and you know some people who just don't generally like the Chiefs is well he's always throwing to wide open receivers and kind of my retort to that is. The reason that Mahomes does appear to throw to wide-open receivers, one of the factors at least, is because he has leveraged his ability to move to create dynamics and angles that defenses just can't keep up with. And so I think he's combined the two factors in a way that is so unique that's going to allow him to do that consistently over time. And I just think that Lamar is, you know, he's one of those guys that's really, really talented at running the ball, but that's just not going to be conducive enough to create these matchups long-term that the NFL wants to see. So, yeah, just a you know, short story long, if you want to call it that. I think they've been trying, man, but I, I think the, uh, the time is short for this one, in my opinion. The what are your thoughts? The only thing close is Russell Wilson, the first eight weeks of a season before he is cooked. It's always Russ, yep. let Russ cook, and then after week eight, it's like, well, Russ is cooked. <laughs> I, I keep saying yep. Josh Allen. I've been saying Josh Allen for a while now. He is, I think, the closest quote-unquote comp. No one is Mahomes. No one. I'll say that with right now. No one is Patrick Mahomes. But if you want to say who I think could be the closest comparison, I would probably go Josh Allen based on both of their mobility. Like Josh Allen's not a run-first quarterback, but he can mm-hmm. run. He can extend plays. Uh, he's big. He's strong. He's the only one that has the arm strength that you could say, wow, that is Mahomes-esque. He doesn't have the accuracy, but the arm strength is there. He's been improving year after year after year. We saw last year the accuracy numbers just just skyrocketed. He took that huge step forward. Just in my opinion, I think he would be the next guy up if this whole Patrick versus Lamar situation dies down. Yeah, and actually, I mean, that that's a great point. I, I'll be honest with you. I was pretty low on him coming out, and I, I, I'll be interested to see if he can maintain the production that he did last year. But, yeah, he had – I mean, he was incredible last season. And, I mean, if he, if he can maintain that, that's going to be an exciting matchup for years to come. And, I mean, they definitely have built something that I think is going to last for a long time there in Buffalo. So that would not surprise me at all. Well, Jordan, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk about the draft picks. We'll talk about some holes and we might talk about Mike Hughes. We'll take a quick break. This is the Airhead Act Podcast with Sterling Holmes and Matt Connor. Welcome back to the Arrowhead Addict Podcast with Sterling Holmes and Matt Connor. Matt Connor is not here. Joined by Jordan Mannix. Jordan, you wanted to talk about the draft picks. Which of the draft picks stand out to you? Which one are going to make an immediate impact? Who has the highest ceiling? Yeah, 
So I, when I kind of took my initial look at what I thought the Chiefs would do, I, I'll, I'll just be honest, from the get-go, I'm kind of the type of fan and person who I love seeing the, the skill players, the wide receivers, the corners, the edge players. Like, those are the guys that, you know, really get me excited. But this draft kind of just struck something in me when – the Chiefs took Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith. I, I got to be honest, those are the two guys that I'm probably, I, I don't know if I'd say they have the highest ceiling. I think they're definitely going to be up there. But those are probably the two players that I'm most excited about just because of what I think they could do for the team going forward. I mean, Number one, Creed Humphrey obviously is a monster of a man. He was one of the best offensive linemen, if not the best offensive lineman on the Oklahoma Sooners. I think in it was either 2018 or 2019, they won the award for the best offensive line in college football. Now, I understand there's some folks who would say, you know, it's the Big 12. You know, it's, it's not SEC necessarily, so there obviously are, you know, some consistency arguments there, but he's a huge center, and he obviously has demonstrated a consistent, high-quality level of play. And really the thing that excites me the most about him, if I'm being completely honest, this may seem silly, but it's the idea that Mahomes obviously is going to be around for a long time, and I'd love for him to be able to play with the same center for an extended period of time, right? So we had, you know, Mitch Morse for his first year, and he absolutely crushed it. That looked like that was a great relationship. I thought Austin Ryder did a great job. I, You know, again, I'm not denigrating his play by any means, but he was an undrafted free agent. He wasn't really that premier level of talent that you look for you know, when you're building a line to protect, you know, the greatest player in franchise history. And so it just excites me that, you know, again, after after really not being super jazzed about the idea of the Chiefs drafting a center, the fact that they went ahead and pulled the trigger and we were able to grab a guy like Creed Humphrey, who now, you know, in my opinion, I think he's got a great chance to start this year. Maybe it's not day one, but I, I just think the sooner the better. I think he's going to be the center for the team at least for the next four years. And so you might as well get him out on the field as soon as you can. So I'm really excited about him. Trey Smith, I'm also super excited about. I mean, he obviously fell because of the blood clot issue. I'm not a doctor, so I, I'm not going to make any comments on that. <laughs> Dr. Really Mannix say. over here. Yeah, yeah. So I, <laughs> I mean, I can't really say, you know, 100%, I know this or I know that when it comes to, you know, what the impact of blood clots have on players, you know, what the, the process is in place that kind of keeps them safe and things like that. All I can say is everything you read, he was able, they were, the team that he had at Tennessee was able to put together an effective strategy to allow him to continue to play. The Chiefs are obviously investing a significant amount in him. They did all their due diligence and their research, not just 
for themselves, but obviously they want to keep Trey Smith healthy, right? So they want to make sure that, you know, is he actually healthy to play? They don't want to draft a guy who, you know, may have some health issues and put him in harm's way. And so you got to feel really confident about that. And then he just seems like an awesome guy. I mean, you, you, you listen to his interviews and, you know, just how he felt about how the draft went and how excited he was to have the chance to come play for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I, I've got to be honest, another great athlete that I think the Chiefs were able to get a steal on and somebody who sounds to me has a chip on his shoulder coming in. And so, Jordan, I mean, I'm interested. One thing I have to say, yeah, go I hate the chip on the shoulder mantra because every <laughs> single player in the history True. of ever – has a chip on their shoulder. If you're drafted first overall, you have a chip because you're the first overall draft. If you're second, you should have been first. Like, the yeah. list goes on and on. So I'll stop you there. Sorry. I don't like that mantra. But okay. go but, but go forward. Go forward. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I, I def, I'm with you. I, I actually I, – so I think there's two ways to think of that, right? Number one, if, if you've gotten to this point, right, if you've gotten to the pinnacle – of your profession in anything, right? It, it doesn't, it doesn't just have to be sports, but if you've gotten to the pinnacle, you have a unique way of motivating yourself that, you know, most people just don't have. So I am with you on that stance. I just think, man, you know, there's definitely guys who internalize that a little bit more and it gives them that little extra motivation, but sure. I, I'm probably overplaying it a little bit, but, Either way, I mean, I I think regardless, I think the Chiefs got to deal with Trey Smith. I think, you know, does he have a chance to start this year? It'll be interesting at guard. I mean, the Chiefs have a number of players. I mean, obviously, Tooney is going to start. And then you've got Long. You've got Duvernay, Tardif. You've got a couple other guys who may push for playing time. So, It'll be probably a long shot for him to to quote unquote start this season, but I, I think he's going to be a huge competitor in there. And I mean, I I'm just so excited at the depth of this offensive line. I mean, just the way the season ended. I mean, we really it, it just was it was a freak occurrence, right? Four backups in the Super Bowl playing against a great pass rush. You know, it, it was a fluke, but man. I mean, Veach has spared no expense, and I, I just, you know, those two guys to me, the fact that we've got them for the next four years, I'm really excited about them. But, yeah, I, I'd love to hear what are your thoughts and who's kind of your, you know, players that you want to see in year one. Creed Humphrey, I'll start there. 100% agreement. I would love if he started uh, week one. I like that he is going to be the guy who will be protecting Mahomes for years to come. I think you're looking at the future of, you know, Orlando Brown, Joe Tooney, uh, Creed Humphrey. I, I do think, maybe not this year, but in the future, it'll be Trey Smith, because like you said, there is a plethora of guys at guard, especially on that right side, and then right tackle. I, I'm huge on Lucas Niang. So I like the, uh, the youth, the size, and the talent, and the potential of this offensive line sticking together for a long time. I like the Nick Bolton. I... I I understand people saying, why draft an inside linebacker who's not going to play probably year one in the second round, your first draft pick? I get it. But 
we can't complain year in and year out about linebacker, and then they make a significant investment and then complain about it. I don't like that because Hitchens is probably gone after this season. All right, now what are you going to do? You're stuck. He was your play caller. This allows Nick Bolton to become the play caller if need be on defense. It allows him and Willie Gay Jr. to develop together and become staunch in that in the, the, the middle part of your defense. I really like the Nick Bolton signing. I think he's a great tackler. I think he's good in coverage. He checks all of the boxes. Um, the only pick I'll say right now I was not a fan of, and you know what, I'll let, I'll let you guess this one. Guess which pick I was not a huge fan of. Oh, man. So I, there's two. I'm going to go with Noah Gray because that seemed to be the one that most people were perplexed about after the draft. What about what was it? I'm okay with Noah Gray. I'm okay, okay. with it. I, gotcha. I, I have no qualms. No qualms because gotcha. they haven't sent a actual draft pick into a backup tight end that's not a block first. You know, I thought Ricky Seals-Jones <laughs> right. was going to be that guy. I was I – was, Smoking the Ricky Seals Jones, uh, whatever that was, because <laughs> I was too. I was yep. stoked, and then and then no, I'm an idiot. Yep. Uh, no, I'm I'm okay with Noah Gray. The only one is Josh Ricando, and, and the reason why, yeah, nothing against him, but you haven't been healthy for basically four seasons. Yep. I mean, I just don't get what he yeah. brings as a developmental prospect that TK yep. didn't bring, or that. Breland Speaks didn't bring, or wait, someone on your current roster still, Taco Charlton doesn't bring. And and it's nothing against him personally, and he could be the guy that pans out. I don't have a problem with the premise of a developmental draft Mm -hmm. pick in the fourth round or an end. I'm just at the point where now I'm going, show me. I'm done buying Mm -hmm. in, because I thought TK was going to be the next big thing. And if I'm putting my money down right now, I think this would be TK's breakout year. You have to wait mm-hmm. on developmental prospects. You can't give them up for yep. what is it, equation to two million a year. You give up for mm-hmm. two million a year, and then you bring in the process all over again and starting over. Yep. At some point, you have to buy in and say there's going to be growing pains. It's going to take yep. time, but we need to to wait and let it last. And it's nothing necessarily against Kando. I guess my premise was I, I'm still on the TK train of developmental guys of, of edge rushers. And this just seems like starting all over again from scratch and having to do the whole wait and see method. Yeah, I, you know, I, I've got a couple thoughts on on Kendo. I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I, I think on the one hand, the fact that we let Passanio go for such a cheap deal, I am a little bit disappointed about because I agree with you. I mean, I, I think the guy definitely still has potential. I don't. I don't think he's reached his potential. I think 2019 was kind of, if he could do that consistently, that's a guy that could have a 10 to 12 year career in the pro. So yeah, I'm 100% with you that I would have liked to see us retain him at least if we were going to go out and get somebody like Kendo in the draft. Now I will say the big difference for me between Kendo and Passanio is their development in college. So Passanio obviously played at Villanova, smaller school, lower caliber of competition. And then when he comes into the NFL, he plays outside linebacker, right? And he's playing for Bob Sutton. It's, you know, probably 
not the most ideal circumstances for his development. And then when Spags comes back in, they obviously move him back to the defensive line. I think that slowed his development. And, you know, again, that doesn't necessarily, you know, give them an excuse to let him go. But I think with Kando, I think you're talking about if this guy has it and really what, what it boils down to, because I, I think he has the physical prowess to be a, a good above average player in the NFL. If the Chiefs feel like they can maintain his health a little bit better than, say, Florida State was able to do, which I, I think is reasonable to assume they could, you know, maintain his health better. I think he's got all the tools to develop in maybe a year or two. Um, but I'm with you. I'm Again, I'm an optimist when it comes to this pick, but I definitely feel kind of the consternation of the fan base in that it sort of seems like we gave up a small amount of cap space and a pick to essentially, you know, get the same player. So I'm definitely with you there. Um, when it comes to Nick Bolton, I'm also, you know, I, I'm of the mindset that, you know, at this point we have a lot of high-priced talent on the uh, defense, and you kind of have to start having a path forward. And I really like what the team's done the last two years, expending high picks on the linebacking unit, if only because, the linebacking unit hasn't just been a problem for the last two years. It's been a problem since I think it was 2016 when Derek Johnson tore his Achilles. And I really feel like that was kind of the beginning of the end of, you know, above average to great defenses in Kansas City. And so I, I think, generally speaking, uh, defensive linemen, you can get, I mean, you really can get contributors almost anywhere. I mean, look at what the Chiefs have done. They've got a couple of stars on the line, and then they found just a bunch of guys that on a year-in and year-out basis can produce in spot duty. So I'm with you. I really like the Nick Bolton pick. I think it's a great signal for the future. Expending high capital for the interior of your defense is something that I think, you know, the Chiefs just haven't done for a long time, and that's why the defense – have struggled. And then, you know, actually, I, we haven't really talked about him, but I, I'm excited for Cornell Powell. I think that he has the size and the physicality that the Chiefs haven't really had at the receiver position. I think Watkins, when he was healthy, had that physical ability. Um, but I feel like our wide receiver unit is more of a finesse unit. And to me, Powell kind of adds a little bit more of that physicality that I think, you know, potentially would have helped in the Super Bowl that we just had. So I'm with you, man. Uh, I totally agree on the, on those picks, but, uh, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to question Beach. I mean, there's always questions each year, but man, he figures out a way to, to pull a, you know, pull a 180 and bring in some talent that you just didn't really expect. In Beach, we trust. Some holes going into next season. Where are some holes on this Kansas City Chiefs team? Yeah, so I I still think that the biggest hole right now is going to be edge. I mean, right now, right, we're looking at Frank Clark. And, I mean, Taco Charlton, I know he was a first-round pick, but are you really psyched? 
if you're saying Taco Charlton or Tim Ward or Mike Dana are going to be your other defensive end opposite Frank Clark, I again, nothing against these guys. I definitely think these are the type of guys that can be productive in spot duty, but I just personally think that the Chiefs would be better off, especially because they do still have some cap space. And so I, I'll be honest, I would love to see them bring in a Justin Houston. That, to me, would be a huge signing. I know a lot of fans, you know, there's kind of some consternation about the way he left the team and, you know, the fact that he went to the Colts and he was, you know, angry when they played and all this different stuff. But the truth is he was really productive for the Colts. He played in all 32 games in the last two seasons. And if you had Justin Houston opposite Frank Clark, I feel like that would make a huge difference. I think one of the biggest challenges last year for Frank Clark, and, you know, I've said a lot of things about Frank Clark. I think he needs to produce a little bit more at his rate. But part of the problem was we had kind of all this production from, you know, random guys in 2019, and in 2020 that kind of fell off a cliff. And so when you were opposing offensive coordinators, really the only guys that you had to be concerned about generating pressure were Justin Houston and, or I'm sorry, uh, Chris Jones and Frank Clark. And I think that weighed a lot on both of those guys. And so just because I think some of these guys on our roster can produce, I still think they need to bring in a guy that can make an offensive coordinator lose sleep at night. And to me, you're either talking Justin Houston or, or maybe Melvin Ingram at this point. I just think the Melvin Ingram situation may have sailed a bit because they brought him in once and he left without a deal. So I'll be interested to, to hear your thoughts on, on who you think is uh, – or what you think are the biggest weaknesses still going into 2021. Yeah, I'm with you with with Edge right there. We need to get pressure on the quarterback. We saw what it can do to a – we saw what it did to Patrick Mahomes and to this offense. It's grounded to a halt when you can get – I mean, Shaq Barrett had 10 pressures in the Super Bowl by himself alone. Frank, you saying Frank Clark has you'd like to see a little bit more. I mean, I would like to see a lot more. You're getting paid like that. Frank Clark needs yeah. to produce. At some point, we have to say, all right, you're good stopping in the run or you're good at setting the edge. You don't pay someone $20 million to set the edge. Right. Um, I think that's where a lot of the issues lie. If Frank Clark and Chris Jones, Chris Jones has did, done his job. Even if the sacks were down last year, he was still getting pressures while being double teamed. You know, guys right. like Aaron Donald, superstars get double teamed. If you look back at the the double team rates, you know, Frank Clark had a lot of one-on-ones. He that, That's the fact of the matter was Frank Clark had a lot of one-on-ones and he didn't produce. At some point, he needs to produce, and I do think that someone needs to go on the other side. I don't understand the hate for Justin Houston. He was here and did great for a long time. You know, people were upset with the contract situations and how, oh, he was hurt and he, he fleeced Kansas City. It's like, grow up, man. Do you think he wanted to be hurt? Like, do you think Justin Houston enjoyed right. being hurt and not being able to perform? Like, no player enjoys that. Same thing with Eric Berry, but that's a whole other story that could uh, <laughs> that could could last. I don't know, like six days. But 
I, I think at some point, I think that would be a very good reunion, not only for the fans and for Justin Houston, but it's for the team and hopefully the win column and the sack column. Before we go, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, and I, I was just going to say, I mean, the other the other benefit to Justin Houston is he's a complete player. Like again, even though he's you know he's 32 at this point, so he definitely his best days are behind him, but you're not just getting a pass rusher. He was still excellent against the run. So it's one of those things where you might have a chance at getting a really complete player at the defensive end, a a weakness for the team right now for a a pretty small amount. So, yeah, I'm totally with you. I'd be all for a re-signing. Before we get out of here, Mike Hughes getting traded to Kansas City from Minnesota, what basically is changing, what, a sixth-rounder for a seventh-rounder and the Chiefs getting Mike Hughes. Former first-round draft pick, 30th overall in 2018. He's had a litany of injuries. I mean, the injury list is long and some big, serious ones. Uh, Does that remind you of anyone? Because that reminds me of DeAndre Baker. What do you make of Mike Hughes coming to Kansas City? Yeah, I you know, it's funny. I, I think that Beach does this. I think that uh, I think that the Chiefs have done this for a number of years where they take shots on these guys and sometimes it pans out, sometimes it doesn't. But I've gotta be honest, when you consider the little capital that they had to give up to get a former first-rounder. I mean, again, really what this boils down to is, yes, Mike Hughes has this injury history lately, but do the Chiefs believe that somehow they are going to be able to manage his health better than the Vikings were? Now, you know, they could be completely wrong about that. They maybe think that they can, and they're going to, you know, obviously not be able to, and, you know, he's not really going to see the field. But at the end of the day, he's, got a ton of talent and they basically gave up a sixth round pick for him. And so I love it. I'm not necessarily the type of person when this type of stuff happens anymore to be super optimistic about it and expect these great things because the chiefs have done it so many times. And I I'd say, you know, one out of every five really pans out, but you never know when it's going to pan out and why not take a shot? Because, if it turns out that this dude is simply a, a third cornerback, a guy who can come in the nickel or come in the dime and really solidify that position, I mean, that would be huge because we, we definitely have the makings of a quality core at the cornerback position. I mean, you've obviously got Legarius Need, who was huge last year. I think Trevarius Ward's going to have a bounce back here. I mean, you have a couple guys that have talent who can come in and play those third and fourth cornerback positions, maybe DeAndre Baker. I mean, you basically have in DeAndre Baker and Mike Hughes now two first-round talents that if they hit, it's a huge win for the team. If they don't, it is a very minimal loss. And so, you know, again, I'm not necessarily thinking Mike Hughes is going to go out there and be Richard Sherman. But if he's simply a above-average cornerback for the team that they got by trading a future six-rounder, that in and of itself would be a win. So I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, these are the kind of trades that I like to see. It's not the high-risk, high-reward. It's low-risk, high-reward. 
even if he just gets a few snaps, you're sitting there going, you know, that a few snaps, let me preface by not giving up touchdowns. A few snaps, you're like, all right, that was okay. You know, like he was average. Like you'll take that from what you gave up. That's all that matters. You're basically just hedging your bets and saying, well, if DeAndre Baker doesn't work out, maybe Mike Hughes will work out. You're just yeah. going based off talent. Honestly, Josh Ricando was basically the same thing. It's developmental. You, we've seen glimpses. There's been a ton of injuries. Let's see if they can stay healthy. I'm a huge fan of the signing. I, I think this is the way Kansas City will probably go about this. We haven't seen Kansas City put a ton of their own draft capital into the cornerback spot. What Legarius as a fourth rounder might be the most. Rashad Fenton was, I mm-hmm. think, a sixth. Javarius yep. was undrafted from, uh, I think it was by Dallas and then Seattle, right? And then came to Kansas yep. City. Uh, I, I mean, we haven't seen them put a lot of their own draft capital. So seeing two first, former first-round draft picks on this team, just to me, you know, that makes me happy. Yep. And actually, I mean, the, kind of the interesting thing, too, about cornerback play, I I can't remember where I read this. And so, you know, take this with a grain of salt, if you will. But when it comes to cornerbacks versus edge players, edge players on a year-to-year basis, it's much easier to predict whether or not they'll be consistently successful versus corners. So it's one of those things where it's like, man, if you can just take as many shots as you can at the cornerback position without expending that premium capital, you're probably going to have a high probability of success because even if you draft a corner in the first round, I mean, we've seen plenty of those guys who they come into the league and they just don't make it. And so I'm with you. I love seeing it. Totally low risk, high reward. I'm pretty excited. To me, cornerback is the toughest position to play in football. I've always compared it to relievers in baseball where you don't know what you're going to get year over year. Like, you could see a reliever in baseball one yep. year be lights out, the next get shelled. And I kind of think that's how I am with cornerback. Jordan Mannix joining us on the Arrowhead Addict podcast with Sterling Holmes and Matt Connor. Matt Connor's out. Jordan filled in. Jordan, this was an absolute blast. Before we get out of here, any final thoughts? Anything you have coming up? Anything you want to say? Yeah, I, uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at Chief and STL. I actually recently just started my own podcast. It's the Chiefs Unrestricted podcast. You can follow that at KC Unrestricted. And as always, I'll be putting out regular Arrowhead Addict content, so make sure to check that out. But, uh, yeah, I'm just, man, I'm excited for the season. I mean, it's mid-May. I feel like it's never going to be here. But before you know it, it'll be – August and September, and we'll be we'll be cheering the team on. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you again to Jordan Mannix. Keep an eye out for the next Arrowhead Addict podcast. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.